is good to, to be back. Praise God for your faithfulness during that time. Thank the Lord for Brian for preaching God's word for those Sundays that I've been gone. And thank you for your faithfulness in serving the Lord and being consistent here. We had a good time. Donna and I had uh, a time away and a time of ministry as well. And uh, God is blessed through both. We had a time to go down to Indianapolis to see the Indianapolis 500. And this is, I think, our fourth time doing that. And then right after that race on uh, Memorial Day, we got in a plane and flew down to, uh, to Florida, to Orlando, to Disney, and got a chance to spend a couple days there. Um, took a picture with Mickey and Minnie. And uh, <laughs> they say hello. <laughs> And uh, we, we just had a good time. Then after, after that, we went to, uh, to just uh, about 90 miles southwest of Indianapolis where our couple's retreat was held, and we were the main speaker there. We had about 35, 36 couples at that uh, attendance there. That was their 37th annual couple's uh, retreat. And so they have done it for a while, and they do a great job. And uh, I certainly would recommend that for, for couples. They had couples of all ages and, and marriages from, from the first year all the way. I don't remember what the highest. I know it went over 42, uh, 42 years. And so uh, I think some higher than that. But it was just a, a blessed time in the Lord and God's word. And so uh, if you want more information, I can certainly get that to you for next year. I think it's going to be June 8th or somewhere around there. That weekend, you need to take a Friday through Sunday off, and they wrap up with the Sunday morning service, and then it's done after that. So we had a great time. I heard you had a good time here, too, and I thank God uh, for that, and thank God for seeing you, and uh, just refreshed and uh, renewed and, and good to be back. We're going to start a new series today, and so our reading will reflect our new series in Colossians, this, the epistle from Paul to the Colossians. So turn to Colossians chapter 1, read that entire chapter for our reading this morning, then we'll have a word of prayer. If you don't have your own Bible, we have extra Bibles available. They're not as nice as yours. Yours probably has bigger print. It probably has some good notes or should have some good notes that will guide you. Uh, these are just pew Bibles, so you're welcome to use them, um, but you should invest in a good Bible. We read the ESV here at Sweet Communion. We study through it. We preach and teach through it, so that's the version you should get. You're going to be um, here and uh, following, following along in God's Word. English Standard Version, the ESV. We'll be reading Colossians chapter 1. Let's all stand in and respect the reading of God's Holy Word. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ, in Christ Jesus, and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, 
which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the, in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church, he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister." Now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints, to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. May God give us understanding the portion of scripture that we read and will be preaching through, partially through uh, this morning. Let's bow for a word of prayer, and then after prayer, our choir will come. Bless us with a song before the preaching of God's word this morning. Father, we thank you for 
your many blessings. Thank you that we can gather together today in this building with this assembled group of people. This is this local church of sweet communion right here, people you have called out from the world, you have saved, you have transformed us, you've given us of your Holy Spirit that we might desire and have the power and the ability to, to walk in a way that's pleasing to you. We pray, Lord, that you would just continue that work in and through us and that you might get the glory out of our lives. Challenge and keep us. Lord, we pray for this summer. Now that school is, is, is ended, um, now summer seems like it's officially beginning. And we pray that we as believers might have a steadfast testimony, that we might have that desire to take your gospel out everywhere that we go, and that you might use it and, and cause your gospel to go out from our lives and from our lips and be fruitful to bring people to the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray for a fruitful summer that your gospel goes out. We thank you for all the activities that, that Nick reminded us of in the announcements, Lord. We pray that we fully commit ourselves to this work and these activities for this summer and that we might see through them you bring uh, a blessing uh, through us so that people might be saved, might be built up, might be encouraged to, to walk with you and to live in, in, in obedience to your word, to be a part of your church here. We do pray for Lord, Lord for those who uh, have been hurting. We think of, of Brother Willie and his knees and, and that you would just watch over and bless and keep him, provide the, uh, the medical attention that he needs to, to, to get things cleared up so that he can he can operate and, and live the way that a certain he would like to, to live and function. We thank you and pray for my dad and, and his health that it will continue. You bless him and my mom and, and watch over them. We pray for Bonnie Dick and just many challenges that she faces and, and her husband Bill. We just um, thank you, Lord, for, um, uh, for uh, um, others who have had different uh, challenges, Lord. We think of Jonathan and recovery from his surgery. Um, we, we think of Heidi as she gets ready and closer to the date for delivery for, for that baby. Um, and we just pray, Lord, that you would just uh, watch over each one of us, that you would move in our midst and use us to minister to each other, be a blessing to build each other up in the faith. And now we pray for the preaching and teaching of your word. Bless us through this series in Colossians and give us understanding. Speak to our hearts and where we are so that um, your word might work powerfully, richly. It might live richly in us and through us. We'll bring glory to you. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. fourth year of our ministry here at Sweet Communion, and we have been preaching God's Word through series in those 24 years, and this is the first time, though, that I've preached through Colossians. We've preached through several, several, several Old Testament, New Testament books, um, 
And, uh, but this is the first time going through Colossians. And so this is, this is the joy. Um, this is, um, as anything, it's a lot of work. Um, but there's a lot of benefit to get and to glean from God's word. So um, what you can do, one of the blessings of being a part of ministry is that um, you, you get to, to take God's word in and then uh, um, take it in and, and, and use it for the different things that God is challenging you. You may be a parent. Um, you, may, um, you may have uh, ministry, um, such as some of our uh, men and women in the Milwaukee Rescue Mission or some type of ministry. You may have a job and in, in that uh, you might apply these truths. And, and certainly God means for his word to uh, to, to, to be effective in ministering in your lives. So I trust that you will not miss an opportunity to take what God is teaching you here and to, to use it and to uh, uh, make, take note of it and apply it uh, in your lives. doesn't mean that you're always learning something particularly new. You may simply be reminded of something or, or something may come together in just a little bit different way. Um, but God's word is for us, and he wants us to pay attention to it and use it for his glory. So um, maybe you're going to teach Colossians in a Sunday school or in a, a ladies group or in uh, uh, um, discipleship with someone. You might use that. So here's a good chance to, to learn even from mistakes I might make, and, and uh, you, can, you can go on and strengthen it. You can enhance it. You can uh, uh, embellish it. Uh, not God's Word. God's Word is all, all good by itself, but uh, my approach to it might help you in some way. So I, I trust that you'll do that. Um, it is a challenge, uh, teaching in series, especially when you just get out of one and prepare for another one. So um, this, this one, um, especially after, after taking some time off, um, this will be a, a, a work in progress to, to work through Colossians and to, and to uh, glean um, truth from it. Today we're going to take a look uh, in our introduction to it, and so we'll look at some verses in chapter 1, but we're not going to go sequentially uh, starting today with verse 1. We're just going to look at uh, some general things. I'm going to introduce to you Colossians and hope to challenge you in your life some things that that uh, God would have you to do. And particularly, I want to challenge us this summer um, to make this summer a fruitful summer. And we'll, we'll make that application as we get to the end of our message today. But let me just put it out there now is that I want you to pray for God's ministry here. I want you to pray for God's uh, 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 minister and ministers here that we will effectively um, take the gospel out we collectively will effect, effectively take the gospel out and see fruit from that. That's one of the things that I hope you get from today's challenge. All right, so let's take a, a look then at Colossians. Um, our text for this morning is going to be verse 24 through 29. 24 through 29. So let's just read that portion. You follow along as I read. Colossians 1. 24 through 29. <clears throat> now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is the church. 
of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery which is Christ in you the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Father, we pray that you would make God's word, your word, plain to us and then challenge and encourage our hearts through it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The author of Colossians, first of all, Colossians is a letter. Letter, another word for that is epistle. You'll hear us talk about epistles in the, Old, in the New Testament. It's simply a letter from one person to a person or group of persons because this letter is the written word of God we know that it was intended not only for the audience that it was originally sent to but it was intended for all of God's people in some way God's word um, is it has that intent to help to minister to speak to God's people so it's written as a letter. That helps us in understanding as we walk through it. A letter typically has a couple different, uh, it has a form to it, doesn't it? Um, it, it, it has the, the, uh, the writer who, who wrote it, and, and the author of this letter is Paul. Now he says Paul and Timothy in verse 1. Notice that. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. In other words, we believe that Timothy was the, the writer, what was the, we call him a secretary. He would take what Paul was telling him, and he would be writing Paul's words for him. Timothy was a helper in that way. So the author is Paul and Timothy. Now, I don't, uh, I see no reason to challenge that authorship. Um, in fact, I, I really get sick and tired of, of, of the um, what they call higher criticisms and, and the theological debates that come about that I think there's some, some good thing that come to it. But the result of that is we come down to this, Paul wrote, all right? Paul wrote it. Uh, throughout the, 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 the body of it, we see the language, we see the references to Paul himself. Um, and uh, if he didn't wrote it, write it, then then the one who wrote it lied about it, and it ceases to be the Word of God. Um, and so it is the Word of God. It is true in what it says. The writing time, the date of the writing, is somewhere around 62 A.D., around 62 A.D., and we believe that it was written during uh, Paul's imprisonment in Rome. And you can read, um, study through the end of Acts, chapter, uh, particularly 27 and 28, but but at the end of 26, you'll see some of the events that, um, um, you know, Paul was basically arrested as he ministered the gospel. And uh, he challenged his arrest. He was beaten um, and, and thrown into jail. And he challenged that. And he appealed in his arrest to Caesar. And so they sent him to Rome 
while he was there um, in Rome, in prison, is where he wrote uh, this epistle along um, with Ephesians and Philemon. So Ephesians, Philemon, and Colossians were all written at that same time uh, from uh, uh, Paul while he was in prison. Now, you say, well, why do you give these kind of tidbits? Well, uh, it's not just to give you empty information, but, but some of this is fruitful. For instance, you can't help but to see the correlation between Ephesians and Colossians and, and how they cover some of the same material and have some of the same emphasis. And, and, and we see that common thread, and that's because he wrote a letter to a group of churches here and then wrote another letter and needed to say some of the same things. But there are some uniquenesses in his letter to Colossians that we'll be looking at. Um, and, and Philemon, again, was written as well um, during that same time. What's unique about Colossians? What is unique about Colossians? Colossians is said to be the most of all 66 books. It is the most Christ-centered writing. Wow, it is the most Christ-centered writing. In, in other words, when you read through Colossians, you cannot escape that it is all about the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and it teaches us then our lives ought to be that way. In other words, we ought to recognize in our life that we're not just living empty lives, uh, just kind of floating around. Everything at, that a believer does is rightly connected and affected by who Christ is and what, he, what he's done for us. And so if we're not thinking that way day to day, we're simply not thinking with the reality that God has brought us into. We need to be picturing Christ as he is and we ourselves as we're connected to him and in fact, it's when we don't do that that we get into trouble. So Christ-centeredness, folks, it affects our thinking and our focus and how we surround ourselves with right thought, healthy thinking, and proper thinking. How do we view the world? Well, Colossians influences us to rule to view the world with Christ as supreme over everything. You get that here in chapter 1, don't you? L look what he says in, in verse 16. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. What's the view of Christ there? That he's, he's the cause of everything, he's the creator of everything, right? And he's in charge of everything. He's in control of everything. So there's moments in our life we feel kind of like out of control. We've had those anxiety attacks like, oh, man, I don't know what's going on in my life. This, 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 this is crazy. You got to remember Christ-centeredness says, wait, wait, wait a minute. The Lord Jesus Christ is in control of everything. Now, now let me challenge you for a second. Colossians doesn't just say God the Father is in control of everything. Colossians takes a step further and says the Lord Jesus Christ 
is in control of it. Well, what, what's the difference? You know, every religion acknowledges God, a God or whatever they are, supreme being, however they want to name that particular person. But Christianity alone is distinguishes itself by the place that we put the person of Jesus Christ in. Who he is and what he has done is significant to all that we believe. In other words, it's saying this, it's not enough just to believe in God. Some people even say they trust in God. But you cannot simply trust in God and not see Christ as Scripture pictures him and live a life that's pleasing to God. So the Christ-centeredness of Colossians should cause our hearts to focus on if I believe in God, how do I view the Lord Jesus Christ and what is his impact in my life today? How, how do I see my life as connected to the Lord Jesus Christ? So I shouldn't wake up in the morning and not in some way think of the Lord Jesus Christ. I cannot pray to God without appreciating and thanking him in some way for the work of the Lord Jesus Christ because that's what God the Father is all about and God the Son is all about the Father and the Father is about the Son and it's Holy Spirit that reveals them both to us we see this Trinity working and so this Christ-centeredness that he is the creator of all things and notice what it says I'm finished now verse 16 it says Visible or invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. Now, what does that speak of? People think that when they have an addiction, when they have an alcohol problem, when they have a mental issue, that they need to go to an expert and they need to get a treatment and they need to get a drug and they need to be on a program. But this says, no, 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 no. You are going up the wrong hill. That's not what you need to pursue. It says, he <laughs> is the head of all things. Whether thrones, verse 16, for by him all things were created, and in heaven, excuse me, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and before, or excuse me, and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. It's saying, look, then if you've got a medical issue, you need to go to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have a mental issue, you need to go to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have a spiritual issue, you need to go to the Lord Jesus Christ because he's in control of all those things. So how is our Christ-centered thinking functioning in our lives? How is it functioning? How is it working? We say we need a new job. Do we see Christ his control, does that bring us comfort for the challenges that we face? Or are we looking for something outside of Christ to give us remedy in our solutions? So 
as we go through Colossians, we recognize one of the uniquenesses of it is that it is one of the most Christ-centered, or probably the most Christ-centered book in Scripture. I trust that you'll see that, and that influence will weigh heavily on you and draw you into that kind of thinking as well. Amen? When Paul wrote this letter and sent it to the believers at Colossae, um, I mentioned he wrote it with Timothy. Timothy was a helper. Uh, he sent it by a person, and we see this person, Tychicus, uh, mentioned in chapter 4, verse 7. And it's typical of letters and especially typical of many of Paul's letters, is that at the end, he starts giving some personal references to people, like a shout-out. I want to give a shout-out to so-and-so. I want to talk, you know, I want to thank so-and-so for such-such. That's what he does at the end of his letters, right? Um, and so he does that here. And, and you, you might ask the question, well, what, what value does that have for us today, and why is it included in Scripture? Well, couple reasons for the shout-out is is to show that, hey, nobody works in a vacuum, and we need other people. God brings people together for the purpose of accomplishing his will and his purpose. And so Paul didn't do this by himself. But let's let's look at Tychicus in verse 7, chapter 4 of Colossians. Tychicus will tell you all about my activity. I like that name. I like to say that, Tychicus. (laughs) Say it again, Tychicus. All right, I like that. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. Isn't that good? Isn't it good to have some Tychicuses, right? Right? Have some good folk. Paul just had some good folk around him, and he was thankful for them. And he had a shout-out to them, right? We wouldn't know who Tychicus was if Paul hadn't mentioned him, right? He mentions him in in other places. Look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 21. Ephesians 6, 21. It says there, so that you also may know how I am and what I'm doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. Almost the same word, right? He's basically saying, look, I wrote both of these letters, and Tychicus is going to take one to the folks at Ephesus and one to the folks at Colossae. And uh, he's a good man. He's a good dude. I can trust him. Think about that. You wrote something, and you want to deliver it, and you want to make sure the guy who's going to deliver it, you know, delivers it, right? Y'all know. Let's put it in a way that we can understand, right? Right? We order something off the internet. All right. And it gets shipped. Whatever shipment, we, we tend to follow it, right? I get on my phone. I get on that app. If UPS got it or one of the other carriers got it, I'm tracking it down. It ought to get here today. If you live in my neighborhood, you, you understand there's a need to do that because I want to know when it's coming to the door, right? I can track it almost the moment it gets there. And when that driver get out that car, he walking up the steps. Guess what? That front door opens up. He like, dude was expecting me, 
right? I want to know that the thing that was so precious that I ordered, that I paid for, right, gets delivered safely, and I actually get it. I don't want no little boy riding in the bike, you know, walking up on my porch, running off with one of my packages that I'm supposed to get, right? Right? So Ticket Kiss was, was, he's a UPS man. He, he, was, he was a dude that was to deliver the, the, the letter and, 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 you know, hand it off to these groups. And they, Paul needed to trust him to say, hey, this is the real letter. And somebody else might have brought you something that ain't from Paul. This one is from Paul because he sent me to bring it. So I don't know what that other thing wrote. There's a lot of false teaching. There's a lot of false teachers going around. A lot of people were saying that they were somebody and writing stuff, and they weren't. So Tychicus was important. You can see that he delivered both Colossians' letter and the Ephesians' letter, and uh, he was a good man. But he wasn't by himself either. Notice back in Colossians 4, verse 7, now verse 8, it says this, I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that you, that he may encourage your hearts, verse 9 now, and with him Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. They will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Taking place here means in prison in Rome, what's happening with me um, while I'm sending you this letter. So Paul had two associates. And again, the practical thing should be seen there. You know, people come to church and, and they kind of, they wrongly visualize it as a sporting event. You know? And, uh, uh, you know, like I'm LeBron, right? And all y'all in the audience waiting to see if I'm going to score a triple-double. That's not what church is. I'm not LeBron and you're not the audience. You are here to, to receive and to participate in the Word of God. And so we need to know that the church doesn't just run by itself. I was worried um, when I heard about Brother Willie and him hurting his knee and, you know, he wasn't able to come to practice yesterday. And uh, we missed that, that twang of that guitar, you know. <laughs> We, we missed that. Didn't know if he'd be able to make it today. And, and, and I wonder, you know, wow, you know, Brother Willie does a whole lot of stuff. You know, I came in this morning, first thing I noticed, guess what? Grass is cut. It's looking good. Now, Willie wasn't able to do that. But he made arrangements <laughs> to have it done. That, that's a faith, faithful guy. I praise God for that. He made arrangements to have it done and uh, if you ever come here during the week and you you will see him and a number his team James is here too where you are James where are you there he is he's a helper too right you've been helping out praise God your dad too and uh, praise God for that and and so it, it takes more than a one individual to do the work of God and and and, and to minister to for, for, for this church or for any ministry to work in that way. And, and Paul is kind of letting us know that um, in that way. And so there, there's all different types of, of things that need to be done. I'm going to hit that again before we leave. But, but um, you know, you may not be Brian and Heidi. Brian, Brian steps in in the pulpit when I'm gone, does an excellent job. Um, and I praise God for that. 
uh, I wouldn't be able to go in peace if I didn't have someone who I knew was going to share and communicate God's word with a passion and have a life that backs it up, you know. Uh, because, you know, I, I can turn you on to the Internet. You, you can hear from a lot of people, but what you need is somebody you know, somebody you see who's living that word out. And God gives that to us, not just me, but God gives us several men, and, and I thank God for that. Our, our leadership team is another example of that. Um, those men that are there, uh, Brother Cliff, Brother Mac, Lawrence, and Andy, um, with Brian and myself, all of us function in that way. And I praise God for that. It, 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 is, a, it is a team effort. We are able to, to bounce ideas. You know, we don't always agree um, uh, when we first initially are talking, but we need to hear and listen to one another. We need to bounce those different ideas and say, Lord, how do you want us to work this out? How do you want this to be settled? And, 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 and it takes that team and godly men that I respect and that I trust and I want to hear from. Uh, men also that are praying for me. Men whose wives are faithful serving the Lord and good examples in the ministry. All those things are essential and important um, to, to ministry getting done. And, and Paul kind of, like I said, gives that shout out to different individuals. And we've seen um, several here that, that he mentions. He goes on to mention others, and we'll get to that when we get to that portion of Scripture. The theme, the theme of Colossians is Christ is Lord over all creation and has secured redemption for his people. There's nothing fancy about that theme. But it's so significant, so important. Christ is Lord over all creation and has secured redemption for his people. That theme we'll be exploring as we go through. What are some of the circumstances or the cause for writing um, Colossians? You know, each, each letter, each epistle has a... a a particular audience, like, for instance, Corinthians was written to the believers in, in Corinth, and it had a purpose. As you go through, especially 1 Corinthians, you'll see several issues that were going on in the church that Paul addresses. Galatians uh, um, had some issues that needed to be addressed. Well, in, in, in uh, Colossae, there are some things that were going on. There was a uh, threat of, of false teaching. Um, there was some kind of uh, wrong teaching, some mystical teaching that, that uh, um, was pulling readers away from Christ and, and trying to find, let them find fulfillment in something other than Christ. And we'll explore the details of that, but that was the cause or the circumstances behind his writing of Colossians. Now today... Um, Let's take a look then at these verses 24 through 29 and just reflect a few things here before we wrap things up today. He says, first of all, I rejoice in my suffering for your sake. We notice that, that Paul suffered as a result of the gospel. He suffered as a result of the gospel. In other words, you know, in a, in a, in a real unique way, the gospel is God's blessing that grow out of suffering. Think of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
our salvation, our redemption came from the fact that he went to the cross and paid the price for our sin. He suffered and died for my freedom from sin and my right to live eternally with God and have right relationship with him now, right? That came from the suffering, from the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul himself was an example of suffering. Remember when he first got saved in, in Acts 9, verse 16, uh, uh, um, God was speaking to Ananias, who he had sent to minister to Paul when he first got saved. And, and, and Ananias said, well, I ain't sure if I should be going talking to this dude because he's he been going hauling off people in jail. And, and God said this to Ananias, you go, for I have called him. He's going to see how many great things he must suffer for the gospel. So from the very start of, of, of Paul's spiritual walk with the Lord, God let him know that it was going to be a part of suffering. Now, why do we say all that? You don't realize people want to go into church and get comfortable. Wrong. People want to come to church and be ministered to. Well, you will be ministered to, but you also need to minister. You need to be uncomfortable sometime and realize there's a work that God has for you to do that will involve you working and sometimes, yes, even suffering. Not just for the sake of suffering, but for the sake of others hearing the gospel. Let me put it another way. Look, we need folks who are going to pick up people from a walking rescue mission and, yes, use their own gas. Amen. Right? All right, you pastor, you know I, I ain't got that much uh, gas to be driving folks around. Come on, please. You're saying is I want to do something, but I don't want to pay nothing to do it, and I want somebody else to provide. Look, when you're in the work and in the ministry, there's some things you're going to do that call for you to commit, that call for you to make a sacrifice. And we do them. Because that's what God has called us to. That's what God has called to. Look, uh, just look at one verse in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. And, well, I said one verse. It's going to be more than one. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and verse 10. Can we turn there real quick? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. It says this. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. And then he demonstrates that. He tells us something, then he demonstrates it. Verse 10, it says this. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. You see what Paul said? You see what Paul said? You see what Paul said? Do you really see what Paul said? He said... I'm willing to suffer some things for the sake of people coming to know Christ. I'm willing to suffer some things. Also, back in our text in Colossians 1, this kind of, when you first read it, it kind of hits you funny. He says in verse 24, I rejoice in my suffering for your sake. Notice his sufferings were for the sake of others, but God intended it. 
And in my flesh, I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. That's a kind of an odd statement. In my flesh, I'm filling up what's lacking. I think about what's lacking in Christ's afflictions. And what is he feeling that Christ didn't provide? I think he's simply saying this, is that his suffering was in partnership with Christ's suffering. Christ's suffering brought about our salvation, Right? Amen? Amen. Christ's suffering brings about our salvation. We suffer in in, in several ways to bring about salvation of others and to bring about their sanctification, right? To bring about their growth in the Lord. There are things that God calls us to do so that others might come to know Christ and might grow in Christ. And that's part then of our participation in what Christ's suffering provides. But notice his attitude about suffering. He says, now I rejoice. I rejoice. I rejoice. I do it with a glad heart because I know what it's accomplishing. I know what God is doing with the work that he wants me to do. So we notice that. Also, we want to notice in verse 25, this thing of stewardship, Paul's mission He says, I became a minister according to the stewardship from God. Stewardship means responsibility or maybe the responsibility of governing over or managing something. Paul says, God has given me this responsibility to to take his word. He says it this way, to make the word of God fully known. To make the word of God fully known. You see that at the end of verse 25? According to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. That's that's part of Paul's stewardship and it should be part of our stewardship as well. To make the word of God fully known. God has given me that responsibility to take God's word, to make it so that it is clear and understood and to keep on doing that, keep on doing that, because that's going to be a blessing um, in the lives of those who hear it, and it's going to bring about God's purpose and God's glory. Paul had that kind of a mission. He goes through the gospel, what the gospel is called a mystery, is hidden for ages, is now revealed, but he says this, the key to the gospel At the end of verse 27, he says this, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the key of the gospel. Christ is in you, and that brings the hope of glory. I think he's going to develop that idea richer and more fuller as we go through Colossians. So we hope to to see that being brought out. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Verse 28, him we proclaim. This is Paul's mission to proclaim Christ, to preach Christ, to live Christ, proclaim, uh, to, to make him known, to reveal the Lord Jesus Christ. We do that for two, for two results. One is for salvation and two is for sanctification. We proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom 
that we may present everyone mature in Christ. That needs to be my purpose as a pastor. That needs to be our purpose as a church, to bring people to mature in Christ. In other words, to come to know Christ as Lord and Savior, but not stop there, but to grow, to know and to grow, to know Christ and to grow in their relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And to work hard at doing that. Look at what he says in verse 29. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. He uses the word toil because it's a difficult task and it involves input, a lot of, of, of effort on his part. I toil. It says I don't just do something and expect it to happen automatically. I, I don't think that it's going to be easy. This is hard work, making the gospel known, that it might bring people to salvation and help them mature and grow in Christ. This is hard work. He says, for this I toil. But notice how he works and how he toils. And this is my prayer. This is one of the things that I want you to do as you go through Colossians with me is to pray for me and to pray for this ministry that God will enable me to do this so that we all are doing this. Pray for me that I will toil. He says, toil this way. Struggling with all, he doesn't say my might. Struggling with all his energy. The reason for that is I get frustrated when my might and my energy are exhausted. Okay? And I cannot accomplish in my might my, what I might want to accomplish. So what I need is something bigger than me. I need a might more powerful than me. And Paul identifies it. He says, I'm struggling with all his energy. Notice it's still a struggle. It's still a toil. But what we rely on is God's power to supply that work. I want you to pray for me that I will toil and struggle with all of his energy. That I'll be relying on God to give me the, the, the energy, to give me the insight, to give me all that I need to make his word known to his people here. That salvation might come to his people, that sanctification might continue within his people. He says this, with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. Now, that's the good news. That's the comfort. That's the encouragement that God is there to give the power and to do the work that only he can do and only he can give. This church, this ministry is not based on me and my limitations. Praise God. Is based on his power that is unlimited. He is omnipotent, all-powerful. And so he is able in a city like Milwaukee to take from foolish, sinful people to redeem them and to save them and to cause them to grow up in a fellowship in a church where they mature and go out and reach other sinful, wicked people that they may be redeemed and saved. Now I want you to pray 
And I want us to focus. I, I, I was hoping Dale would be in here. I don't know if he stepped out or whatever. But we're going to give him the message anyway. It kind of reminds me. Let, me. let me get back to this. this in, in Colossians 4, he says this. Verse, verse 17, verse 16. When this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea, verse 17, and say to Dale, that you see that you fulfill the ministry that you received in the Lord. Yeah, that's, say to Dale, or Archippus, all right. See that you fulfill the ministry that you received in the Lord. What ministry am I talking about? Hmm? Say it. No. Evangelism. Evangelism. There's three individuals and have really been centered in evangelism here. Dale is one, Donna is another, and Charles is another. That we were, from a couple years ago, going out in the ministry. Here he is, Dale. I had a word for you, brother. He just walked out. I'm going to give it to you, though. There was three people involved in evangelism. Dale was one, Charles was another, and Donna was another. In our church, going out in what I would call... Um, um, a focused evangelism, making it happen. I want to see us do that again this summer. And so, Dale, I just read the verse, Colossians 4, 17. I put your name in. It says, say to Dale, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. Say to Charles, say to Donna, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. Now, I'm not saying to you three to do it by yourself. I'm saying to you three, let's work this summer. And let's raise up other individuals here that will help us, and let's take that word out. One of the things that we need to do, and uh, Charmone can help in this, and, and, and I think Jonathan can help in this, is we need to get our, 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 our church brochure and track um, printed out so that we can take that out and go to people next door. I'm surprised even now... Um, you know, we haven't done a full-fledged evangelism ministry like we did when we first started this work um, because I haven't emphasized that as much now as I did then. But even now, years after that, I notice there's people walking off the street, even today, that will come into this church and say, you know, I heard about your work. I heard about your ministry. I heard about some aspect of the ministry, whether it's Jump Rope Camp or whether it's the Garden Harvest Ministry or, 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 or whatever it was. People in our very neighborhood will come and do that. So I want us to see this summer that we put that into practice. Amen? Amen? Amen. So Colossians is series to challenge us. Um, we see the mission that Paul has and the mission that God wants us to have is to preach the Lord Jesus Christ, to proclaim him so that salvation, we will see salvation, we will see sanctification as well. People grow in the Lord. And, and uh, yes, it's going to take a toil from us. Yes, you're involved in walking your rescue mission. Yes, you have a full-time job now. Yes, you got four different jobs. Um, <laughs> and she does. She's known as school bus. <laughs> She's a realtor. Amen. She, she works in Aurora Health. And she's my wife. That's a full-time job in itself. Those, those are four things. It just happens that only three pay. 
Yes, you're involved in all those different things, and it is a toil, and it is a work. Uh, but God wants us to, to, to re- realize that that's what is involved in the gospel getting out. And we want to pray that God will use that work. I went over my time, so let's be challenged and be encouraged in God's word. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We pray you would challenge our hearts in applying that truth so that we this summer might see, we might expend ourselves, we might work, we might toil, we might struggle, we might labor, and we might see the benefit of that labor for the sake of your elect, people coming to know Christ and people growing in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.